This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3399 for Thursday, the 12th of August 2021. Today's show is entitled, Linux in Laws S01E36, Open Source Licenses, and is part of the series Linux in Laws. It is hosted by Monochromic, and is about 56 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, the ultimate show on open source licenses, or how to fall asleep without chemicals. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever fancies you tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language, you have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mom! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back in an open plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusty guide dog, unless on speed, and QT Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. This is season something, episode 30, whatever. It's time to end an episode. (laughs) (laughs) Great spirit. Welcome to um, the episode on floss licensing. Martin, how are things? Oh, I'm very much looking forward to tonight's episode. Uh, I see. Why? Well, it's uh, a favorite topic of a friend of mine. (laughs) I see. So um, you're looking forward to using it as a what's what I'm looking for medication if you cannot get if you cannot get sleep. <laughs> I'm sure we can make it far more interesting than that. Uh yes. <laughs> Let's work on this. <laughs> but before we go into technical details, a little bit of banter, um, as marketing normally subscri- uh, prescribes. Uh huh. In terms of, so what's the weather like these days? I mean, the summer is not there quite yet in the UK. Oh, no, 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 it's, anyway. it's, it's, it's coming. There's a heat wave coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what, 17 degrees? <laughs> oh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> it hasn't arrived yet, but it's been in and the Daily Mail, so it must be true. Daily, you're, re- you're, still reading the daily, you're still reading the Daily Mail? I thought you cancelled that subscription. Our <laughs> oh, reading isn't really, it's a bit going too far. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, what you're trying to say, a member of your household is availing of that subscription. <laughs> I see. Now, this is something our, our dear friends at Google uh, decide that I need to know as in my news feed, it pops up with <laughs> snippets from the Daily Mail. For some wanna, reason. <laughs> I see. You want to have a word with them just in case. I'm sure I got the algorithms wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Martin, that can be fixed if, you, if you're just talking to the right people. So no worries. Aha. Excellent. And what about yourself and the... Currently, I'm looking at something called Kraftwerk. It's an IPA. Funny enough, it's Wasn't that band as well. Uh... Yes, but it's, uh, but yes, but you see, it's it's spelled, it's, it's pun, all right, but it's spelled it's, differently. Started making beer instead. Craft is now spelled with a C That's instead of a K. German. <laughs> hmm. Yes, but you see, it's a beer. It's not a band. There's a difference. Okay. okay. But it's quite, but it's quite good. Tempted to reach out to them. Kraftwerk, if you're listening, the email address is sponsor at linuxinlaws.eu. Are you sure the yes. email address is being manned? Because it's not working. <laughs> so I'm positive, Martin. <laughs> and yes, we do take payment in kind, people, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, of course, only uh, use only the German postal address. Do not, do, do, do not worry about the UK. That's a waste of time. <laughs> because so think, yeah. as we all know, all the ordinary, ordinary uh, mail takes about what four months to get from the UK to Germany and back. Wow, this is just based on one data point, right? Which is your no, actually two. Oh, okay, well, I mean, I can't. Yeah, I mean, you sent two, two, two deliveries of forbidden goods. <laughs> what do I you expect? Right? I, wouldn't call, I wouldn't call a paperback <laughs> and some and some much required food stuff contraband. <laughs> no, far from it, actually. Well, you see, this is what your mistake is, because clearly that is very suspicious if someone's going to send a paperback in this day and age. Okay, why? Well, I can't imagine that many youngsters read books anymore. Martin, I'm old, in case they didn't know. You're sending yourself a book, okay? Fair no, no, I ordered, I ordered <laughs> ah, okay, from, okay. from a second-hand bookstore in the ah, United Kingdom, as it so happens. <laughs> yes. And that took about three and a half months to get here from, I think, even Birmingham, if I'm not completely mistaken. Um, and well, I sent something from Frankfurt to London, and that took about four months to get there. Okay. That doesn't sound very useful. No, but you see, bre Brexit is rubbish. Because before Brexit, it took a, lot, a, a week at most. It still takes a week to get to Ireland from Germany, for that matter, hmm. as in as in packages and stuff. Okay. Well, so the trick is to go via Ireland then. Uh -huh. No, the trick is basically to invade Great Britain, or what's left <laughs> of it anyway, and to make it part of Europe again. Hmm. Scotland, Wales, New Northern Ireland, and what's what, what, what's – is there something missing? No. Anyway. If you're listening, kind of islands, probably. Yeah. Just what's the word I'm looking for? Diverge? No, it's not diverge. It's dissect. No, leave, leave the United Kingdom. Apply for EU citizenship. You will create a second Switzerland within no time. What's Once this is done. <laughs> Are they not quite so happy in Switzerland? <laughs> Switzerland is surrounded by European <laughs> membership countries. Uh-huh. Did they, did uh, they once, care? 
Uh, once, yes, um, well, they are almost Europe. Anyway, once this is done, Wales, well, Scotland, Northern Ireland, just surround Britain and send food for thought. Let's put it this way. Uh-huh. Brussels may be able to get your weapons. Just reach out. But hopefully it doesn't have to come to that. Maybe Westminster slash Buckingham will have insights. I think we have to cut this out, right? Because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> MI6 with engine <laughs> nudges or something. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think I'm sure the Swiss are pretty happy. Yeah. And they're out of something called EFTA, if I'm completely mistaken. It's almost Europe, hmm. but without the without the without the union bit attached, they can avail of pretty much many of the advantages in terms of um, commercial stuff and, and, and economic stuff and so forth. But they're officially not a member of the European Union, but it's like, like an association, that sort of thing. Yeah, so they don't have to implement the banana rule and stuff like that. What's the banana rule? Well, you can't call it a banana if it's not um, 50 degrees rounded or something. <laughs> it, it's interesting because I don't know of any place in the in, in Europe that grows bananas. Um, yeah, the southern, southern countries do. Not, not even not even the, the Dutch do this. <laughs> they, grow some, they grow something else, but that's a different story. <laughs> In little, you see, Martin, there was a time basically when I was traveling from Schiphol down to down to downtown in Amsterdam, and whenever I took the train, this kind of past residential areas where in in the in the middle of the winter all the rooftops were actually clear of snow. Hmm. Well, they're all growing bananas, right? It's, it's, it's... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you went down half a mile further, and there was, of course, snow on the rooftops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do the numbers. Uh, maybe they need to do something about that insulation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or choose a different type of agriculture to grow. <laughs> you never know. But it was quite a fun site, actually. And all, I mean, and 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 the couple, the couple of 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 almost years that I did this, actually, all the rooftops actually frequently changed. <laughs> Rumor has it that that there were kind of raids or something on the estates. It must be a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You're looking at about uh, at least thirteen, fourteen years or something like this. Mm. If my knowledge of Dutch and the Volkskrant is anything to go, to go by. Uh, yes, there were actually raids being uh, being 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 done in 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 that in these places. Good choice of paper, by but the way. Exactly, but the Dutch agriculture is not the subject of tonight's episode. Oh, <laughs> no, uh, it's not. Funny enough, is it microkernels? No, it's not actually. No, no. the Dutch, no, the Amsterdam <laughs> agriculture scene is planned for what is it? Season thirteen, episode twelve, I think. If I'm completely mistaken. But tonight's episode is actually on something called floss licenses. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, you did mention it. That's not very good. I did, yes. <laughs> okay, don't, people, if you are, <laughs> yes, if you are not, if, if, if you are, if you're listening to this late at night and you cannot get to sleep, don't worry, you'll be asleep in about five minutes tops. <laughs> Pretty sure of this. Okay, full, dis- full disclosure, people. Martin and myself are not lawyers. As a matter of fact, Martin had to give up the, that, that job 
Never mind the never mind the hourly fees when the coke habit just became too expensive. Um, there is quite a handy organization for this, though. But, uh... <laughs> there is. Martin, you know more than I do. No, and... no, the, on, on licensing. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so Martin used to be a lawyer. <laughs> I'm making things up as I go along, but because of, 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 of drug prices, he had to give up that profession. So he's now, what are you, Martin? A database person, right? <laughs> I'm not sure there is such a thing, but... Um... Okay, fair enough. And I was never a lawyer in the first place. Mm. So the bottom line is, kids, people, whoever is listening, this is not a legal show in terms of if you have any legal questions surrounding your open source project and associate licensing, you please do consult a licensing lawyer. There are... Well, or the um, OSI, right? They can... Or the OSI, yes. But uh, the OSI doesn't compensate for a lawyer. Um, they give advice, no. but this advice is not legally binding. This is the important bit. So if you have any questions about the next search engine, as in if you want to kind of put Google in the pale or something like this, or some other stuff, please do yourself a favor, consult a, um, a, a licensed lawyer, and he or she can sort you out. This show, this show is merely meant to give an over is merely, is nearly is merely meant to give an overview about the licenses and any surrounding topics. So, Martin, why don't you get us started? Sure, sure. So, um, okay, let's start with why would you be interested or worried about licensing your open source software? A very interesting question. Since you asked that, Martin, why don't you know I'm going to take this? It's the, um, how can I put this? It's essentially about the fact where you want to take the code base in terms of how what you want to do with it. Different licenses have different aspects, and they mostly regulate the use of the source code. And that already takes us to a very important subject. Two main distinctions. There are copy left. Wait, 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 and... no, 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 wait, 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 wait. What, you haven't explained why people would be wanting I th- a license. I thought I did. Well, you said where do you want where do you want to take it? What does that mean, right? Okay, Martin, what does floss mean as in free Libra open source software? Oh well there's a whole bunch of definitions, right? But um Just go for it. Uh well, there's freedom to distribute, freedom to modify, freedom to uh, combine. What else is there? Um, there's about 10 or so, I think, in the OSI one, isn't there? But... Martin has done his homework, apparently. Full marks, Mr. Visser. I was, I was not exactly getting to that kind of technical level, but rather floss software, as in free and open source software, is all about code reuse and other people using your code. Yeah. And that's exactly the well, purpose of Okay, well, okay, sorry. Um, it's not just about using, but also about uh, contributing, isn't it? So I, I was um... just getting there before oh, my co-host interrupted me. Thank you, Martin. Let's <laughs> <laughs> try to uh, speed things along a little. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. Thank you. Okay, Much appreciated. No worries. No worries. <laughs> okay, let me, let, me, let me start again. Yes, um, free and open source software is all about reusing code, right? And, of course, contributing the changes back again. But, and this is a very important but with a capital B, it boils down how, in what way you want to do this. 
as in, do you want to force, for example, anybody taking your code and modifying it to publish, to publish these changes? Or are you rather satisfied, maybe happy, if somebody takes your code and does something completely proprietary with it without having the need in place to publish the changes back again to the community? And this is the main distinction, you see. Mm-hmm. And when well, when you say need, <clears throat> there is um, only a need from this is from the licensing perspective, or otherwise you'll get sued, kind of scenario, right? It's not um, that's what you really mean. Well, I mean, licenses licenses are legally binding contracts, so if you violate a contract, you can take you can be taken to court, as mm-hmm. it has happened in the past. The link will be in the show notes. There was actually a case where VMware uh, violated the GPL. What the GPL is, um, I'm, we're going to get in a, we're going to get to in a minute, of something called the Linux kernel, and somebody in Hamburg took them to court. Hmm. So, yes, if you're not adhering to the license requirements, you can get sued. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Okay, back to the... Which is um, obviously more relevant if someone is VMware than just Joe around <laughs> the corner. But yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Wait, you see, if Joe around the corner, basically, uh, it does the next big thing, just makes a couple of billions of, uh, from it, I'm sure that you have people scrutinizing his or her source code, if it is available, or what components he may have used. Hmm. And what licenses they're under. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Okay. Going back to the original argument, there are two main distinctions here between permissive, so-called permissive licenses and so-called copyleft licenses. Do you want to give us an overview before I put the rest of the audience to sleep with the technical details? Sure, sure. Um, I think the biggest difference is that um, uh, with copyleft, you have to put the... um, uh, all the, all the changes or modifications have to apply to the same, um, licensing rules as the original. Um, so it's, it's really if you start doing stuff with, uh, or building on top of it or making, um, changes, then you, well, there's, with the permission one, you can, it has, you know, uh, like the, I don't know, Apache or whatever BSD ones. They um they allow you to to you know copy it to modify it and uh, without too many kind of uh, yeah restrictions around it. Well spotted, Mister Visser. Yes, Sound about right. In in a nutshell, this is these are the main differences. And do we, uh, who the, came up with the term copy left? By the way, do we know? I I don't. I don't as a matter of fact, I reckon uh, it goes back to the original MIT place where a guy called Richard M. Stallman came up with something called the GNU Public License, GPL. Hmm. And of course, him being almost a communist, like we are, hence the name copy left rather than copyright. Uh. Pun intended. I reckon this is where it comes from. Of course, this is pure speculation. Mm-hmm. If somebody knows the deeper meanings, Richard, if you're listening, please do, do get in touch. Hmm. Especially once you've stepped back from the FSF board, 
once again, you may have more time to listen to podcasts and to contribute also to the community. If not, don't worry about it. We'll make do. <laughs> okay, getting getting back to getting back to the main difference. Okay, Martin, as Martin rightly pointed out, yes, copyleft licenses do require you to publish any changes of a code base that is that is a license under a copyleft license. The most important copyleft licenses are the GNU public license family, like the GPL2, GPL3, the Afaro GPL, and all the rest of it. They have very different meanings. Yeah. It makes sense to give a very short overview. And before we go over to the permissive licenses, so essentially the GPL and the successors of the GPL, as in the different versions, just require you to publish any changes, so-called derivative works, of a code base to the public. So if you even kind of take the code in a, as a, of a library and link to it, you're creating actually a, a derivative work. Mm -hmm. So that means you actually have to publish the code that is linking to the license, uh, to the library back to the public and to the public domain. Hence the subset of lesser GNU public licenses that do not have that requirement. So you can simply basically take a component link against it and create a derivative work without having to publish your source code. There are of course more stringent versions of the of the GPL, for example the Afero GPL. Essentially this requires you to publish any source code. I'm simplifying things. Of course mm -hmm. the link to the corresponding Wikipedia page will be in the show notes. The Afero GPL basically requires you to publish any source code that your compo that it, that an, that an, an Afero GPL licensed component is talking to on the network. Again, as I said, I'm simplifying things. Um, it's, okay. it's slightly more difficult. Imagine a web server. Imagine a web server that is issuing HTML. So if you are implementing a REST API, if this, if this piece of code is licensed under an Afero GPL, Essentially, any component that talks to it, especially your REST API, your REST-based client, um, has to be published as well as in the source code of it. This is probably the most stringent and rigid uh, member of the GNU family of licenses because any component that talks to an referral GPL license component has to be published as in the source code, the source code of it. The idea <clears throat> when the referral GPL was originally implemented, originally um, designed was to ensure that any cloud software under an referral GPL or that is used, uh, that is used for, for, um, that is used in the referral GPL context would have to be published again. So meaning that this, <laughs> I'm almost tempted to say that this viral GPL notion spreads across the network, which is probably the most communist, for want of a better expression, license you can think of. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, interesting enough, the usage of the Reverage GPL is pretty low, right? Why Why would that be, Martin? I'm just wondering. Any thoughts? 
Well, I think as you just mentioned, <laughs> any component you speak to on the network, that's kind of that's that's exactly it. Okay, mm. you see, there there are two sides of the story, right? The more restrictive an open source license is, the more restrictive um, the use cases, because if mm. you're linking against a copyleft license, take the GPL for an example, anything that you create with that code base, you have to publish. Now, if this if this is not down your alley, your alley, please stay away from copyleft licenses. So, the more restrictions you put on a code base in terms of licensing, the more restrictive your usage gets, because quite a few people are reckon. Let's use the example of a startup. I mean, if you just give, have developed the secret sauce that will render the likes of Google and friends obsolete within five years' time, you don't necessarily want the public to have a gander at it. So in that case, any component licensed in a thorough GPL or another copyleft license is probably not for you. On the other side, if you have a permissive license, and Martin just mentioned MIT, Apache, and the BSD licenses as three examples, uh, this is the opposite of the of the of the of the spectrum. You can do pretty much whatever you want with it. There are certain differences. For example, the Apache licenses uh, the Apache license requires you to put a little bit more prose into your source code. The BSD license basically says you're not filing a patent on the on the source code, and you mention the author. Probably one of the better known examples is something called Redis, as in the remote dictionary server which is licensed under three clause BSD. So you can do pretty much whatever you want with it, assuming that you mention Salvatore San Filippo as the original author and uh, where it comes from. And that's pretty much it. So you can incorporate that component, the server side, as in Redis server, in your code base. You just have to mention that you basically took it, but you are free to use that code base without any restrictions as long as you adhere to the license, to the permissive license conditions. So if you want to wrap this up in your tech stack, that does the next big thing. Just go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, permissive is definitely the way to go. Funny <laughs> enough, that also drives adoption, right? As you rightly mentioned, and I think I mentioned Terminus to be already on a few, uh, on a few occasions, but Terminus was under, I think, even the Ferro GPL about a year ago. And as you rightly said, the adoption was pretty low of that code base. Sorry, um, Terminus to be, you'll find the link in the show notes, is a combination of a Git uh, storage backend with graph database in front of it. The reason why I'm mentioning this, it comes from an old alma mater, namely Trinity College, where I did the PhD. And uh, Terminus, I think, went live last year or something like this. So it's a brand new project, brand new code base. You're finding a good help. But the last year, they changed from a Faro GPL to something called Apache for yeah. the for that exact same reason. Yeah. Namely, they found the adoption quality pretty low because of the restrictive um, 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 licensing requirements. So they changed this to Apache and voila, the adoption went, I wouldn't say sky high, but grew significantly because now people were able to incorporate the, the code base in their, in their tech stack. Mm -hmm. 
without having to publish any any derivative work. Yeah, which well, in turn drives um, uh, innovation and improvement, right? So, yeah. Well, you see, it 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 has its two sides, right? I mean, if you if you're going for a copyleft license, people have to publish any draft work as in, sorry derivative work. Mm. Meaning that, of course, if you are going for that license, you have a good German example of a project that um, is used in that way, and people had to publish their changes. GNU compiler collection. Okay, best example. It's probably one of the best C compilers on on the planet. Hmm. Because about 20 years of development went into it, but it was, of course, licensed on the GPL, so mm -hmm. any modifications had to be published. Mm -hmm. And I've yet to see a commercial compiler well, that was on par yeah, with, yeah, that, it's, it's, with that collection. Yeah, it's not just modifications. It's also if people use it as part of their uh, code base to do... It will compile on, on release or something like that, right? So when they build the software, it's probably the, it's probably um, the most used compiler collection as in C compiler yeah. on the planet. Yeah, because every Linux distro has it mm -hmm. has it in their repositories. Of course, C Lang is making strides, fair enough. Um, but as I said, a lot of innovation went into that compiler toolchain, and I reckon it's probably the one of the most mature tool mm. chains as in C, C compiler tool chains on the planet. Okay. Um, yeah, but it, it that's, yeah, uh, it's not really comparable to a um, an open source product that's monetized like a, a Redis or a Postgres or whatever it is these days. That... It's rather monetized. Okay. Oh, it's it's, 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 it's backed by an open core company, but the source code is ah, still it's not the word for it. <laughs> yes. yes, man. Pretty much like Enterprise DB, if memory serves correct. Indeed. So, so the word isn't monetized. Ah, okay, okay. Got that wrong. Fair enough. Thank you for enlightening. You're more than you're more than welcome, man. No, no worries, no worries. Uh, no, as, as a matter of fact, every, in Postgres has its own license, right? It does, it does. But it's, so, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's so this is permissive or more, or more like copy left? It's similar to MIT, yes, but it's very permissive, which is why okay. you'll find it in lots of um, applications that people uh, ship out, right? It's part of this, many, 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 um, you know, if, if people building an application and they need a database, they'll use either MySQL or Postgres and just... Or MariaDB these days, I'm, but, I, I understand. Uh, yeah, Maria to be is probably a better choice. <laughs> if if you are still kind of um, a member of the old guard looking for SQL technology, <laughs> not that many not that many people do apparently, because the no SQL seems to be the rage. Of course, that's a shameless teaser for an upcoming episode where we will have the great battle between. You you heard about um, hype cycles, right? <laughs> 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 yeah, SQL was about tw thirty years ago. <laughs> no, it's still in in on on the way up. Whereas NoSQL is apparently Jeff Bezos mentioned that he managed to get Jeff rid Bezos. of the last Oracle instance about a year ago. 
in something called Amazon. I don't yeah. know. It, well, it's one of these little bookshops. Because he doesn't want to pay them any money. Yeah. <laughs> but we digress. Indeed. We do. Where were we? Okay. Permissive licenses, as a matter of fact. Okay. So, and of course, there are derivatives of offset licenses. So, There's for quite, example... quite a few, aren't there? Yeah. Yes. The conundrum, of course, is basically that Martin already mentioned the OSI. Mm-hmm. Can you shed some light on the on the on the open software initiative? Well, there's a whole episode of it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, no, the open the open source initiatives. And Simon, if you're listening, this uh, upcoming show is for you because we have Deb Nicholson on the show. Uh, no, the OSI is one of the vetting bodies of that uh, open source licensing ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Quite a few companies have tried to get the license to get the licenses vetted, but not all of them have 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 succeeded. Because some of the restrictions or some of the attributes that Martin already mentioned are quite restrictive when it comes down to the vetting of open source licenses by the OSI. So, for example, you cannot restrict usage rights. We are recording this episode somewhere in July of 20... Martin, what what date is it? It's uh, 8th of July, 2021. Thank you very much. You're welcome. For those of you who haven't heard, there's something called out there called Audacity, which, funny enough, we use to edit this podcast. Now, Audacity, as in the project, was acquired by a company called OpenMuse about a month ago. Hmm. And as probably the, the quite a few of you know, Audacity is under the GPL. And what Muse actually did, or Muse Technologies, whatever the company is called, you'll find the link in the show notes, actually tried to restrict the usage of Audacity to people above the age of 13. Funny enough. Say that again. Yeah. Muse said you cannot use Audacity unless you are older than than 13 years of age. What? (laughs) How does that make sense? (laughs) It doesn't, Martin. It doesn't. The links okay. are in the show notes, but, and this cut to B, of course, that violates the GPL left, right, and center, mm-hmm. because that's exactly the thing you cannot do with the GPL code base. You cannot restrict usage rights. Very important. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, quite a few people did, did, got... Did they not have an open source license lawyer? <laughs> funny enough, quite a few people got upset about this mm-hmm. <laughs> and forked the code base left, right, and center. Hmm. They also tried to put some, they also tried to put in some telemetry code into Gobase, but that's a different story. We won't go into the details. <laughs> uh, just uh, check your local uh, favorite uh, open source news outlet for the details. But suffice it to say, it didn't go down well with the community, and as expected, quite a few forks happened hmm. over the last couple of weeks. And not surprising, by the way. Going back to the original discussion. Quite a few companies have tried to restrict the usage with limited success, let's put it this way. Uh, so, for example, there was a company, there still is a company called Redis Labs, mm-hmm. full disclosure, I'm working for them, that put out something called the Redis Labs Source Available License in 2019. Yeah, it was, wasn't... Uh... 
didn't MongoDB do something similar before them or around the same time? And we are getting to Mongo in a minute when we when we're going to discuss something okay. called yes, <laughs> the server side public license. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit slow tonight because these are two exact opposite sides of the coin. But let's let's discuss RSAL first. Okay. The idea behind the RSL was to restrict the usage of the so-called modules that amend the Redis, the original Redis code base, so that it cannot be used by, funny enough, hyperscalers. Hmm. When Redis Apps came up with the original idea for the RSL, AWS and friends were already making billions of dollars by with Elastic Cash and other mm-hmm. derived offerings of the of the BSD license, Redis open source code base. Because what these hyperscalers essentially did is, or what they're still doing, or what they're still doing, they take the open source code base, package it for their cloud environments, and then sell it as a managed service. Mm-hmm. So, Redis Labs is pouring a lot of money, I think into the development of the IPs because it's the, the, the server itself is licensed under three uh, under three clause BSD so people can do whatever they want with it far fair enough and that won't change and make money from it and ready in the and the intention behind this RSAL was to not repeat this with the modules with the source code of the modules the modules are essentially a server extension that transform Redis into an application or more specific, or more application specific database, like a graph database, a time series database, like a document DB, that sort of thing. So the idea was basically to restrict the usage of these modules to non-cloud environments. The source code is still available. You can look at it. You can compile it. You can slot it into your own tech stack. No, no big deal. But you cannot deploy it as a managed service being a hyperscaler. That's the, that's the most important difference here. Mm-hmm. There was quite an uproar about this. There was a project called Good Forms. Funny enough, by somebody, I can't remember the name. The, um, the, Chris the, Lamb. The... Clone yes. of the code base. Yes, Chris Lamb and, and Nathan Scott forked this in 2019, if I'm not completely mistaken. Mm-hmm. Links on the show notes. But nothing happened much after they forked the module code base then and there. The contributions died, out, died down. And you can take a look at the stats on GitHub. Nothing much happened afterwards. I mean, Chris and, and they, Chris got a Foston talk out of it. About contributing code to a Redis Labs control code base, but that's that was pretty much the end of it. Okay, but then aren't the modules predominantly developed by Redis Labs anyway, as in the contributors? Well, probably the standard modules basically that are available on 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 top of Redis are developed by Redis Labs, yes. Mm. But of course, the module SDK is published, so you can do your own module if you want to. Nobody's holding you back. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, the modules this code themselves, the other projects, they, those are pretty much maintained by Redis Labs employees, no? Oh, yes. 
like time series, like like uh, like Redis JSON, document DB, Black Redis Graph, and all the rest of it. Yes, and Redis Labs is also putting a significant amount of money, I suppose, into the development, into the RPs of of that code base, or, or of these code bases. Let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. So well, I mean, it's, yes, yeah. It, I, I, so this is an example of of why people are coming up with different licenses, right? Or adding restrictions to um, licenses that already exist. It's... I mean, there's always, of course, the other side of the or the flip side of the coin. Indeed. You have something called the server. The server side public license is essentially <laughs> a different approach to the same problem because what the server-side public license actually mandates is if you what's what I'm looking for uh, incorporate such a project or run it or I think uh, no it's it's a it's a derivative of of the GPL3 hmm. And it says basically that if you incorporate a code base licensed under the server-side public license mm-hmm. in an environment that controls your infrastructure, that controls the deployment, that has an orchestration thing around it, you have to publish any surrounding components. So in that regard, it's pretty close to something called a referral GPL. Mm. Meaning that if you are a cloud provider like a hyperscaler, you would have to publish your infrastructure code that runs that code base. So imagine if you want to take Mongo is probably the best example of a server-side public license, uh, license code base. If you want to deploy a Mongo code base in your cloud environment, you would have to publish your orchestration stack your monitoring stack and all the surrounding components mm-hmm. that control and execute the, uh, the the Mongo code base. So essentially, it's it's not comparable to the RSL, but it's rather that's well, of the coin, yeah. right? Because yeah, they, they, well, they serve the same purpose, right? It's to stop the <laughs> the hyperscalers from uh, using that's exactly it. Telling yes, <laughs> the likes of, of 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 Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, of course, won't publish. Their hypervisor code that control, that orchestrate, that monitor the, the, these these environments, hmm. and that's exactly the purpose of the server-side public license thing, which mm-hmm. is pretty interesting when you when, when when you think about it, because they basically simply say, of course you can take our code, but if you want to do this, you have to publish your own stuff as well, mm-hmm. whereas the RSL simply says, sorry. Yeah, you yeah. cannot use this code being a hyperscaler, mm-hmm. which is a different yeah, approach, yeah, of course. Yeah. But the result is pretty much yeah. the same. Indeed. Okay. Should, should we mention common class before we close off the show? If anybody is still awake, <laughs> 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 just in case, Creative Commons is another set of licenses. It essentially is mostly applied to creative content, like songs, prose, podcasts, books, magazines, whatever you want to, articles, whatever whatever whatever, tickets you fancy. And the idea is essentially to just to give credit 
yes it's the, isn't it? uh, the yes it's a, yes it, it's attribution and it also mandates how you can share the content for example if you can modify the content or not and um these are probably the most important attributes of set license mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay but not so relevant it, for software really is it did, yeah. well i mean it's it's relevant um if you are publishing content that is not necessarily technical true true yes okay like blog posts and what have you for example this podcast is licensed under ccr cc creative commons attribution and share like meaning you have to give a credit and of course you can take the you can take the content and modify it to your heart content but you still have to give the attribution meaning you have to credit the, the links in laws for coming up with this nutter content in the first place yes it's pretty unique obviously <laughs> so, attribution must be done that's the reason for why why we kind of well you see, funny enough, basically, it was kind of mandated well, by the platform. The department will be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by, by the HPR. You see, funny <laughs> enough, basically, when we first discussed where we want to host this, the HPR, of course, came up as in the Hacker Public Radio, but mm. they kind of mandated the CCI by SA, as in share alike. Mm. And this is basically what you have been using ever since. Fair enough. Yeah. Exactly. So Good. we're still only on the platform. Can you for listening for, for credits? Thank you very much for one and a half years of great service almost. Mm. Is, there, is there anything that, would there, we, that we have missed? Well, has this cleared um, the whole license <laughs> scenario maybe, of, for maybe, any, 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 any budding um, uh, uh, author of a new project out there? <laughs> maybe to... we missed out on the cat videos, but please check your local video platform well, sure, for sure, this. Surely they're on CC BY, right? CC BY, so, yeah. I suppose that depends on license. Okay. Hmm. Right then. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you for that great description. And well, it's a little bit philosoph and... philosophical. Never mind communist hmm. attitude. And that takes us nicely to the poxes, Martin. Well, what about the feedback? Mm. We do have feedback. Yes. We do. You want to read this out? I can do this. Okay. Um, so uh, this is feedback on episode 33 by Kevin O'Brien, who says, I loved the show. I found this discussion fascinating. And I also noted that Linus had mentioned the possibility of using Rust for the Linux kernel and that it is not something you hear every day. If some talented programmer out in HPR land wanted to do a series on programming in Rust, I think it would be a big hit. So there you go. Talented programmer on Rust. And that, <laughs> and that, of course, was the show where we are, where we had yes. the latest contributors around the table, the virtual one. Uh, is this not? Wasn't this not the Rust one with Steve? No, it wasn't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, on this particular subject, if five fourteen, as in the release candidate, is anything to go by, Rust is making great strides into into the kernel in terms of. The yeah, kernel crit is finished, if I'm completely mistaken. And people and people are looking at seriously are looking at using Rust beyond driver scope for the kernel. And that's it. Okay. 
details on the change log of that kernel, as in 5, uh, 514. And with that, it's now really time for the poxies. Martin, what's okay. your pox? My pox is something called, I think it's called the farm. It's called the farm. Written by Josh Orwell, right? No, not that one. It's just uh, written by, um, uh, good question. Who is it written by? Well, it was produced by Amazon, obviously. Margaret um, Thatcher. Hmm? Margaret Thatcher. Uh, no? no. No. Why would it be written by Margaret Thatcher? I'm just making I'm, up things I'm, as I go along. I'm, I'm confused. I'm confused. <laughs> so am I, Martin. Um, so am I. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, sorry. It's not called The Farm. It's called Clarkson's Farm, I think. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so what is it about? It's about a guy. He's a TV presenter. He's earned lots of money doing TV shows. He's bought a farm and he started doing some farming. That's just quite amusing. Um, especially because he's hopeless, I think, obviously. Why would you buy a farm? To do farming? To not live in the city? To. What's, um, what's the point? People need food. And so it's farmers produce food. <laughs> <laughs> the rest comes from genetic labs or something. From a, from a few genetic labs. No, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But... I don't know. Maybe it doesn't Germany, but not over here. <laughs> Still <have> farmers. <laughs> I see. Okay. My pox of the week is a movie called Taking Lives. How much? It's Taking, Taking Lives. lives. It's Taking goes, Lives. Yes. Right. It, it yeah. goes back to 2004. It's a course with Angela Jolie. And if you have a chance to get this on Netflix or something, don't miss it. It's one of the better ones done by her. And it's really riveting with regards to plots, psychology behind the whole thing and acting. Ah, it's not because she gets her kids off more or something. Uh, I can't remember any <laughs> movie where she did, actually. Can you? No, no, I'm not. I'm not that familiar with her work. I'm just saying, Martin. I'm just okay. checking. <laughs> no, this is not only Buster. This is Angela Jolie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I mean, if 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 you if you're interested in kind of suspense thr- thrillers, that's the movie to watch. Okay, sounds good. What was it called? Uh, taking lives. taking lives exactly. Right. So presumably and of course, buying it. Yeah. Okay. the links will be in the show notes, or the Excellent. link rather will be in the show notes. Exactly. Very good. Okay, and this is the end of something called season one, episode. I can't remember. Forty six. Forty six. Yeah. The micro kernels. Yes. Yeah. The jury is still out <laughs> on the episode, but it's definitely season one. <laughs> As usual, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, if you're listening, the email address is sponsor at linuxinlaws.eu. We'd like to thank Ken Fallon and, H- and Hacker Public Radio. Mm, they do. Thanks, Ken. For hosting the show. And needless to say, Ken, yes, we do apologize for not showing up on the monthly HPR reviews. But let me teaser this. Each and every month, HPR does a monthly review of the shows. And if you're so inclined, please join this slot and give feedback. Because HPR is a community living from participation, living by participation, living on participation. Hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The more you contribute, the more vital this platform gets. Because otherwise, shows like 
the ones you find on HPR, including Linux and laws, would not be possible. Definitely. Um, thank you for listening. Yes, and next week we will have microjournals. Finally. Next, in, in about two <laughs> weeks' time, Martin. We only oh. publish every two weeks. <laughs> in, case, in case marketing oh. didn't send the memo. <laughs> oh, they're useless, aren't they? <laughs> We get some new and, ones and, again. <laughs> and, and I'm afraid there's something in between called an interview, so it'll be four weeks' time. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. It's, it's, <laughs> exactly. People don't don't worry about the schedule. <laughs> As you can hear, we it's don't either. Fluid. No, that's okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and thank you for listening and looking forward to uh, being Next with time. you soon. Exactly. This is the Linux in-laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay for the madness. Thank Thank you you for for listening. This episode of Linux in-laws is sponsored by Linux Torvalds, Linux creator and, to use his own words, Linux kernel grandmaster Flash. Unfortunately, Linus was not able to deliver the following message in person, so we had to resort to a voice double. Due to budget constraints, we had to avail of bargain basement talent, which may sound slightly different than the usual quality you have come to expect and love from the in-laws. No, I don't want to deal with this fucking pull request any longer. If your mother would have used proper contraceptives, I wouldn't have to face this fucking shit anymore. Get alive and learn to properly code in C for a start. Or, if that's too difficult for your limited intellectual capabilities, just use Rust going forward. If you're smart enough to master the learning curve, dipshit! Oh, sorry. This is not the Linux curly mailing list. This is a personal message from Linus Torvalds, also known as the kernel grandmaster flash of something called Linux, the operating system I devised about 30 years ago. For some odd reason unbeknownst to me, this pet project has been the rage for the last 20 years or so. Even more important, as Linux is approaching world domination, also partly due to a fabulous podcast called Linux In-Laws, choose your license wisely. Let me emphasize this. Choose your license wisely. And always use the force loop. Linux would not be where it is today without that initial decision to put the code base under the GNU public license, also known as GPL, back in 1992. That move fostered innovation big time. For example, two years after that decision, ARM support entered the kernel mainline. And the rest is history. Even way before Andrew came to the conclusion that Linux was the way to go for his mobile operating system, named after some cute plush robot, before some script kiddies, with a revolutionary approach to search engines, came to the conclusion that Andrew's outfit might be a good addition along that path to world domination. But I digress. Just make sure you choose the right license for your endeavor. Now I'm off to my anger management therapy session. Tove, where's my meds? This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margo, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, 
and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under Creative Commons at Gemando, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. <laughs> You are currently the only person in this conference. The only person in this conference. There's the RMS guy again. Go away, man. Annoying guy. Oh, RMS is on Linux, so dear. Just gonna get myself another cup, another cup of, uh, another cup of beer, exactly, or rather a bottle. So we have to cut this out anyway. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but for the people who missed out on this. Has it gone out yet, has it? Or will miss out on it. <laughs> Is it coming out before this? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, let's check with marketing because they're running the show if you haven't fired them yet. <laughs> there has been a certain reshuffling of episodes going on. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.